Well, let's turn our attention to God's Word. If you would, please turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. As we're just beginning to get into this book and see its rich teaching focuses us on God again. Everything, everything should bring our attention to Him. And uh, so that's why we are here. So First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 3. As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remember or remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine, nor to pay attention to myths or and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matter about which they make confident assertions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we pray that you would bless our time together. Bless our time in this Word. May we glean from it what you would have us. Things that we can apply to our life on a daily basis. May it change and shape the way we think and the way we respond to the truth that that we are exposed to. And then all of the other information that we're exposed to throughout the rest of the week and in other places and other venues. May we glean, may may we bring everything through the Sieve of, sieve of the Word of God and test it. Lord, I thank You for the privilege of meeting together. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have seen that, that this is a letter from God. It's a letter from Paul the Apostle to Timothy. But we recognize that this letter is, is not just uh, that shallow, a personal letter that's over 2,000 year old. No, this is a message from God. And Paul is under under command by God to communicate these things to Timothy. And Timothy was well qualified to handle the truth. We looked at last week that he was uh, he was he has genuine and displayed genuine faith. And he uh, he had faithfulness as well. And so Timothy was well qualified and, and he was a good risk to handle the truth of the word of God. And so Paul is imparting this truth to Timothy, knowing that Timothy was going to stand up and present this letter, this truths, these principles to his church. And so Paul, in a sense, is passing that baton. And then we find in verse 3, the first verse that I read here, that uh, the circumstances is that Paul, he is on his way to Macedonia and they stop at uh, in Ephesus. And he leaves Timothy there in Ephesus while he goes on into Macedonia. And Timothy is instructed to uh, to teach these men or to instruct these men not to 
teach strange doctrine. And that's, that's the purpose. That's why Paul left him there. You, you guard that truth that these believers had to make sure it doesn't get messed up. And Timothy, he was, he was qualified to, to do so. Now, we are being influenced on a daily basis. We all are. Someone is influencing us. It's either culture or tradition or right now it's just television. Television has a huge impact, a huge influence on us, whether it's Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil or or Oprah or uh, Fox News or Rush Limbaugh. There's people that are wanting to influence us, and they do. On a regular basis, they influence our culture. They influence the direction that we're going. Laws that are passed influence us. We have a culture that just is is having and, and has a dominant influence on us. And we see that that culture today is, seems to be changing. In fact, it's, it's kind of assumed, oh, we need to change. It's progress. And under that guise... Uh, new things come in and old things go out. And sometimes those old things that go out are good and the new things that come in are not so good. Now, it's not always that way, but it does lend a, a certain assumption that things are changing and you might as well just get up with uh, the times and, and change with it. But we as children of God, we as Christians have to be discerning. We have the the Word of God as a light into our path. It gives us direction. We cannot just go with the flow. We cannot just go with everything that's influencing the world and the culture around us. We have to have the Word of God to be the dominant influence of our life. Now, this has always been a problem with the children of God. Even in the... Old Testament, we find Israel was influenced by false teachers. And let me give you an example of this in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, you know the situation. Israel was being influenced by these false prophets of of Baal. And Elijah, he just gets fed up with it. And he says, okay, I want all of the false teachers, all of the prophets of Baal. I want you to meet me on Mount Carmel. We're going to have a contest. And you remember that. I'm not going to go into the whole story. I think you can read that for yourself if you're not too familiar with it. But the, at the end, let me just tell you, Elijah wins. But he puts it to him right at the very beginning. In verse 20, he, uh, or verse 21, Elijah came near to all the people and he said, now there was, of course, uh, when you're going to have a contest like this between the two gods, uh, other people are going to show up and they're going to want to see, hey, what's going on here? Well, you got the prophets of Baal on one side and you got Elijah on the other side and he's by himself and you got hundreds in the, the false prophets of Baal and Here's what Elijah says to them. And he just puts it right to them. He says, how long will you hesitate between the two opinions? You've got to choose. You've got to choose. If the Lord is God, follow Him. And if Baal, follow Him. Now, there's something that I want us to know here. Well, he goes on. Let me read that last phrase. But the people did not... Uh, did not answer him a word. And in not answering, they were answering. 
They were saying, oh, well, we're just, uh, we're not going to say it. We, we think we can play uh, neutral. And I think many Christians today think that you can just be neutral. There's, there's not that option. Because there, you do listen to some word, and whatever word you listen to uh, is, is connected to either God or to Satan. And we have to be discerning. And Elijah was putting it to them, either choose God and His prophets and His, uh, and His truth, or Baal, Satan, and His prophets, His false prophets. You've got to choose. And he put it to them. And, um, and whichever word that they chose to, to follow, if it was the words of the false prophet, they were actually following Baal, Satan himself, actually. And if it was God and, and his man and God's word, God's prophet, then they were following after God. And the consequences are serious. Look at the end. At the end, um, you, you know the situation. They put the, the sacrifices on the altar and the uh, uh, prophets of Baal, well, they called down fire from their God to uh, consume the sacrifices and nothing happens. But Elijah just humbly puts his sacrifice on the altar and he pours water on it and uh, then he just simply prays, Lord, do this. And, and look at verse 39. He says, when all the people saw it, what happened is God just sent a flame and just consumed everything. The sacrifice, the, the altar, the water, everything was just gone. It was just consumed by this fire. And it says, when the people saw this, they fell on his, their face and they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then... Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Go. Or, so they seized them and Elijah brought them down out of the, uh, down to the brook Kidron or Kishon and he slew them there. God would not tolerate false teaching in Israel. He would not tolerate false teaching. And man, God's man had to stand up. And, and he says, this is wrong teaching. And it's so clear. And uh, he put them to the test. And then he slew them for being false prophets. And that was under the command, under the command of the Old Testament authors. Now, when we turn then to 1 Timothy, we see the same situation. The church, the church is the pillar and support of the truth. And the church has been entrusted with truth. And Paul is now saying, Timothy, I've left you there because there's, there's false teachers that are going to be there. There's false teachers there. And you have to handle them. You have to deal with them. And you are to instruct them not to teach. And the word instruct is not just to give a little lecture. It is to command. It is to order them. Is to order them, and that was Timothy's. That was Timothy's job. The church has been entrusted with the truth, the truth of of God's word, and and it's like a baton that was hand 
handed to us and, and we guard it and we keep it and then we hand it and pass it on to the next generation. That's the picture that's going on here. Paul has received this command from God. He's giving it to Timothy and Timothy was to, to guard it, preserve it and not mess it up and then pass it to the next generation to other faithful, other faithful men. And the church, I say today, must be prepared to handle the truth. And thus my title, Can You? And we say the church and, and we kind of get lost in that. Well, the church is built by individuals, built upon individuals. We are the church. It's not the church building. It's not just the pastor. We are collectively the church of God and the truth has been entrusted to us. Are you prepared to handle it? Can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? And as Tim has, uh, has uh, prayed that um, we, are, we are responsible for that. We're responsible to handle that truth, not mess that up. And Christ warned us when He was on earth, He said false prophets are going to come. Matthew chapter 24. John, the apostle John warned. Peter warned. Paul warned. The author of Hebrews warned James and Jude. These New Testament uh, saints, they warned us. They warned us. And Paul himself even warned the church in Ephesus. And I want you to turn. I just want you to see this warning. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. Just real quick. You need to, you need to see this. Because Paul knew that this was going to happen. And years earlier, he... Uh, he gathered the elders together. Before he went up to Jerusalem... He gathered the elders of, of Ephesus together. And, and here's what he said. It's very interesting. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come. Savage wolves will come, come in among you, not sparing the flock. They don't really care about the people, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves. Paul knew. It's man's tendency to, to add to the Word of God, to distort the Word of God. And he said, even from among yourselves. So he warns those elders. He warns those elders. He says, from among yourselves, men will rise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples. And the disciples was the whole church. Draw away the disciples after them. After them. So Paul had warned them. They had been warned. And we learned from that there's no church that is exempt. You know, Satan doesn't tremble out there um, because Daniel's Bible church is, is here. No, he is, he, is, he is seeking to implement and infiltrate false teachers in our midst. He would love to do that. There's no church. Uh, that is exempt. And we would think of uh, all the churches in the New Testament. Surely Ephesus. I mean, it was a pillar of truth. It was, a, it was a church that was solid. And Paul says, no. No, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. Do you know the truth well enough to discern? Do you know the truth well enough to discern truth from error? Are we protecting the truth? Do we defend the truth? Are we passing that truth then on to the next generation? The church today, and I think the church is, is getting off today because we're trying to appeal to people's emotion. 
You want to get people into the door? You appeal to their emotion. You let them have a, an exciting time, a vibrant time. And they'll come in. But the reality is, is I have to appeal as a, as a messenger of God. I have to appeal to your mind. Because truth, you have to get right. It's not just an emotional feel-good thing. I think emotions will be there. And I think when you discover the truth, there's going to be an exhilaration, I believe, that comes from that. But it's primarily through the mind gate. And so we sat here and, and opened the Word of God and I, and I tried to speak intelligently. And you're probably questioning that. But I speak intelligently to you. And you have to listen. You have to discipline yourself. We have to bring our children in and discipline them. Now look, you have to sit here and listen to the truth. We have to get it into the mind gate. Now here's what I want us to see, and you see it on the screen there. The principle. Believers must be able to recognize a false teacher in order to avoid error and protect the truth. And, and that's Paul's point in First Timothy. He's, uh, he's wanting Timothy to be able to identify, now again, not just Timothy, but the church through Timothy, to be able to identify these false teachers. How do you know? Man, how do you know if they're false teachers or not? And he gives us some characteristics here. And the question that we'll answer or we'll look at is, what are, what's the general nature? And Paul's just talking in general terms. He gets into specifics maybe later. But right now, he just wants you to see kind of the big picture. What do you look for when, you, when you're when you kind of detecting that, uh-oh, something's going wrong here? And he's kind of reminding Timothy of these things. Timothy was left there. And, and he has to discern. And so Paul is kind of giving us the nature of a false teacher. And we'll look at three characteristics of those nature of the false teacher. Number one, we'll just move quickly through these. Number one, they're not, foc- they're not word focused. They're not word focused. They're religious and their word, uh, they, they may preach the word. In fact, these men, he says, instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. Obviously, they were in a teaching role. They were probably elders in the church, and they're in this teaching role. And the tendency of us all, like I said, is to to teach strange doctrine. The teach, and the the word is uh, uh, strange, there is just just means different or divergent doctrine. Something other than the truth. Something other than the truth. Now, what, what would be the truth? Well, if you turn over to 2 Timothy, just real quickly, in verse 13, 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, Re- Retain the standard of sound words. Those, that body of truth that was passed on from the, uh, from the disciples, that were passed on actually from Christ to the disciples, now to the body of Christ, the church at large, and they were entrusted to the church. And this, so uh, Paul is telling Timothy in 2 Timothy, retain the standard of sound words, those healthy words, that body of truth that was passed on to you, Timothy, retain those. And so anything other than that is strange. Anything other than that is, is a different doctrine, is different teaching. And, and you're to instruct them not to do that. In fact, there's two instructions here. And you see the urgency that Paul is speaking with. And he says just two things, Timothy. Instruct them not to teach strange doctrine. 
nor, verse 4, pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. So they were doing two things. They were in positions of authority. They were teaching as probably elders. And Timothy was to come along and instruct them or command them, order them not to teach these things. And in fact, don't even pay attention. Don't pay attention to myths and genealogies. They just give rise to speculation. But that's probably the tendency. That's probably what was going on. This body of truth that was passed on from Paul to Timothy... Timothy was teaching these things, but these other men were teaching strange doctrine. They were teaching things that they should not be teaching, teaching things that were not up to the standard of God's Word. And therein lies the problem. Because like I said, we all, we come out of the womb with a different idea of God and who He is than what is reality. We're born that way. In fact, here's what we do. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells us this. And this is, boy, this is just a, uh, this is just kind of the way we are. But in chapter 10 of verse 5, he says that we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing that, that rises up against the knowledge of God. Now that's us. In our own mind, we have speculation. We kind of delve into little things in, in the crevices of our mind and, and in our own thinking when nobody else is around. We, we just think, hmm, what about that? And, and we, tend to, we tend to do that. And we tend to lead into speculation. As opposed to the truth of God's Word, just, just crashing in and saying, no, this is what God is like. Don't think of Him in any other terms. Because that's strange doctrine. That's, that's false doctrine. But we tend to speculate. We tend to speculate. In the Old Testament, there's one verse that uh, really you, you need to keep in mind. Deuteronomy 29.29. And... Um, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you because I've read it here so, so much. You should be familiar with this verse. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed, that is, the things that are revealed by God in His Word, the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe them and uh, all the words of the law. So there are some things that are just kept secret. There's some things that God just doesn't want us to know. They're too heavy for us. They're, they're just that God has not revealed them to us. But that doesn't keep us from speculating, doesn't it? Listen, there's some things that, that God just says, look, I'm not going to tell you. The things that I do tell you, the things that are revealed here, they're yours. And, and it goes on to say, and to your sons forever. We are to pass them on from generation to the next generation. And those are yours. Those are precious truths that we build our lives on. But there's some things that God just has not revealed. Some things that are difficult. Some things that we just can't understand. Ah, but false teachers, they've got the answer. They, they will delve into these mystical things. They'll delve into these speculations. They'll delve into these things that uh, they, they want to explain to us. And Paul uh, tells to Timothy, he says, tell them not to do that. Not to do that. I think we have a, 
a charismatic movement that is just running fast to speculation and to mysticism today. To strange doctrine. Because it sells books, doesn't it? Man, when you can, when you can get into speculation, when you can, when you can have this, these theories and, and, uh, and make them interesting, then boy, they will sell books. I, I'm uh, just reminded by, uh, about this, uh, young boy at the age of four. He, he died, supposedly died on the, on the, in the hospital bed and he, uh, went to heaven and learned all these things, came back and, and he, they wrote a book actually. And they were getting ready to, to write a movie, but then he comes out and says, look, these things are not true. I just made them up. I just made them up. But I tell you what, he got the attention of the world. Why? Because it's speculation. It was interesting. It was interesting. It's dangerous to delve into speculation. We have all that we need to know about heaven right here. But I tell you, I'm surprised at how many people were led astray. This little boy, he's going to tell us all about heaven. And that's speculation. Now, Paul doesn't specifically tell us what the the myths and genealogies that they were dealing with here and and how that would affect, but that's not the point. Every generation has its own myths and genealogies, don't we? Now, they were obviously attached to Judaism and probably had something to do with the Old Testament genealogies and the list. And sometimes they would assign numbers to them. And, and then those numbers would add up to different things. And, and what about this? And what about that? And they would, just, they would just delve into those things. And they would try to pull truths from those things as opposed to just the concrete teaching of the Word of God. But it sells books. And so Paul is warning them. Don't do these things. Further the administration of God, which is by faith. Give the gospel. It's by faith. So how do we identify false teachers? Uh, they, we, we watch them. They go beyond Scripture. They've got other things other than Scripture. They've, they will tell you things that are just speculation. So it's a broad general principle. Do we have anyone like that in the, on television today that are going into speculations? Going into, you know, interesting things? Yes, we do. This is a generation that's just buying into those things and we're getting further and further and further from the truth of God's Word. We have that tendency though, don't we? We have that tendency. Rather than the concrete teaching of God's Word, sometimes the truth is the same thing we've heard over and over again. Let's get in, let's, let's be more creative. Let's get into something else. Let's hear, let's hear this or that. And so we're vulnerable. And it piques our interest. Oh, he went to heaven and come back? Man, I want to, I want to get to know him. Are we drawn? Are we easily drawn away? Are we easily drawn away? Are you easily drawn away? Or can you identify? Yeah, no, I see what you're doing here. You're twisting God's word. You're making it interesting. You're using creativity here that shouldn't be there. You're taking license to the, with this text and making it say what it should not say. Folks, we had a, a world that is doing that. 
It used to be so clear cut because there was a, there was the world, of course, but you had religions and you could tell, well, this religion believes this and this religion believes that and this religion believes that. And uh, and the false teachers would just almost identify themselves and you would it would just be clear. But it seems like the whole world today is running after some speculation, some kind, some mysticism. And and more than ever, we have to have discernment. We have to have discernment. We have to know this word so that we can spot them, so that we can discern. Because they're not always they're not always in the church. They're not always uh, easily discerned. Number two, let's go number two quickly. They are self-seeking. Paul says. In verse 5, they are self-seeking. False teachers seek to be elevated by men with the goal of their own selfish ends. They are motivated other than true motivation of a Christian, which is in verse 5. He says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some have strayed away from these things. They were they were there. We looked like they were there, but they've strayed away from these things, these pure motives, having turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law. So that's that's what we have. And he says the word the word but there is in contrast to uh, Paul and his teaching and Timothy and his teaching. Besides uh, uh, besides the the false teachers, Paul. He was motivated out of love. Motivated out of love. He says from a pure heart. That is a clean, unstained heart. There is no other motives in his heart than, than to just tell the truth and preach the truth. He had a conscience that was good or healthy is a, another translation it could be, or useful. It, it, it was doing what it was supposed to do. It was working the way it was supposed to do. It was not violated. He had not violated his conscience in what he was teaching. And then a sincere faith is this just genuineness, authenticity, a, uh, without hypocrisy. And as opposed to Paul and Timothy and their instruction, being motivated out of love, the false teachers, well, their hearts are not that pure. Their conscience is not that good. They they can live with a, 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 a broken conscience. And they're not that sincere. They're not that sincere. In fact, Paul says, well, they've turned aside. They've turned aside to the from these uh, these things to fruitless discussions. Fruitless discussions. Again, the the mysticism, the things they don't know. It all hinges on motives, motivation. All hinges on motivation of, of telling the truth. Telling the truth. They want, to be, they want to be clever because they want to get your attention. They want to sell books to you. 
what they and they they want to manipulate people and they want to get people to to listen to them to give to them in fact he goes on to say in verse uh, verse 7 they want to be teachers of the law they want to be rabbis they want to be in those positions of 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 uh uh, of power and authority and be looked up to by everyone. Christ said they want to be seen by men. Be seen by men. And James just cuts right to the chase. When James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur, teachers will incur a stricter judgment. You get it. You want to be a teacher. You want to get up there and teach. Well, you're going to be, you're going to incur a stricter judgment. God is going to be harder on you. Stricter judgment. I like what uh, John MacArthur says concerning this. He says the, the one who really understands the role of a pastor teacher understands that it is not a place for a proud person. There's no place for pride here when you're just giving out the truth. It's not about self. It's not about feeding your ego at all. I like uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, he said this. He said, a godly man shakes from it. That, that, that is the call to preach. He's, he's, or shrinks from it. He, he shrinks back. He doesn't want that. Unless he knows it's from God, he goes on to say, unless this overwhelming sense of call, compulsion. John Knox, it said of, of him when he was called to preach, that he, he cried and he ran to his room, became secluded. He was, he was afraid because of the position of giving forth the truth. You say, well, why, why teach it all then? Because there is a, a true motivation. And that's what Paul is giving us here. There is true motivation. Not everyone is motivated by a false heart or a bad heart or bad conscience or bad faith or hypocrisy. No, Paul says there is true motivation. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart that is a heart that is genuinely concerned for other people. I'm not getting up here or people, uh, false teachers or, or a genuine preacher should not get into the pulpit just to, to be heard by men. No, he's motivated by love and concern for other people. It's in his heart. He cares about you. To, he cares enough about you to give you the truth. He cares for your soul. That's the proper motivation. He's got a conscience that is obligated to tell the truth. He's got genuine faith there. Faith that uh, he, he desires to see the glory of God being lived out here on this earth. So he, he is properly motivated and there is a genuine, true motivation. That's why we speak. That's why you teach. That's why we go out into the world and proclaim the gospel and evangelize because we are motivated not to get people's attention. We're motivated by concern for them. We're not motivated to get. We're motivated to give. That's love. It's a love. Now the question I have to ask every time I get into this pulpit, what motivates you, Carl? 
Is it love and concern for other people? Every time you teach, every time you talk to people, is it to puff yourself up or is it genuine concern and love for them? Or let's apply it this way. Are you, are you drawn away by the, the charismatic leader that's obviously up there just to get attention to himself? Are you drawn away to that or are you drawn to the truth? To the truth. We have to have that discernment. And that's hard today. I mean, how do you know? You listen on the radio, you listen on the TV. How do you, how do you know what motivates these people? It's just, it's hard. You have to know the truth. You have to know what to look for. You have to discern. Now, they have wrong focus. They have a wrong motivation, wrong motives. And let me give you the third one, and then we'll draw it to a conclusion here. They are blinded to the truth. I believe they're absolutely just blinded to the truth themselves. False teachers are inconsistent with the whole of Scripture and they confuse themselves and others. I believe that they're blinded by Satan. If you look over just to the same book, uh, to chapter 4, verse 1, Paul, Paul sees the same thing. He, he sees that they're, they're just blinded to Satan himself, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter days, some will fall away from the truth, paying attention to deceitful spirits of doctrines and doctrines of demons. Demons that are there. There's a spiritual, a real spiritual world out there that we don't see, but they're whispering in man's ear falsehoods, false things, false teaching, things other than the standard of the Word of God. Doctrines of demons. And I think that's exactly what's motivating or what's happening with many churches today. They're being led about by a man, but this man is just blind to what he's even doing. And he's ultimately being led about by Satan and Satan's demons. It's not just uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and those who we would recognize that, oh, well, they're false teaching. No, it's many, many people that twist the Word of God. They don't handle Scripture correctly. They don't really know what they're talking about. Look at verse 7. And Paul, he, he sounds like he's being mean here. Even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matter about which they are making confident assertions. They get up, they sound like they know what they're doing or are saying, and they're making confident assertions on this. They have convictions on these things, but they don't even know what they're doing. They're just blinded. They're still blinded by Satan. Blinded by Satan. They're twisting Scripture. There's usually a nugget of truth in there. They take that truth maybe out of context. They emphasize the, the wrong thing. They misinterpret what it says. Uh, they take it really out of the general context of Scripture so it doesn't even sync with the rest of Scripture. Many times they will have their own frame of, of doctrine over here and they'll go to Scripture for a proof text. They twist Scripture. They mess it up. They don't, they don't realize, I think, what they are doing being led by Satan. Satan is so subtle that way. Christ said that he is the liar and the father of lies. Paul said that he is an angel of light. An angel of light. 
You, you would accept an angel. You would bring them in. Oh, yeah, we'll listen to you. That's Satan. That's Satan. Paul says he produces wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. This week I had the privilege of uh, listening to Ian Murray. And he mentions this uh, in, his, in his talk. that He says this, Satan always wants you to idolize the man. Puffing up, puffing up the man as opposed to the truth. Puffing up the man. That, that's Satan. That's Satan's at work there in the life of the pride of that man. Building him up. And then he also says Satan always comes through the back door. Just, just a way we would not expect. We would want him to come through the front door. Then, boy, we can handle him then. No, it's always subtle. It's always through the back door. It's things that we don't, we don't perceive, we don't anticipate. And he says, uh, error can be a very persuasive thing. Error can be a very persuasive thing. They sound like they know what they're talking about. How do you defend that, folks? You have to know the truth. It's hard in our day. We have an information age and we can be bombarded with just information. And let me tell you, that information is led and guided by Satan himself and and his demons. We have to have discernment. We have to be very careful. We have to be very careful. We stick to the truth of the Word of God. Slowly, methodically, we see what it says See what it says. The world is running after speculations. It's motivated by getting attention. And it's blinded by, it's blinded by Satan. It's blinded by Satan. Believers must be able to recognize these false teachers. I'm amazed at how quickly and how easily people are led away. Falsely, I believe, there's a, a couple that came here a, a couple years ago, a few years ago, and man, they love the church. Oh man, this is we found it. This is the church we've been looking for. Very charismatic couple. We loved them. We were in their home, and it was it was great. And then we begin to talk about doctrine, and I begin to see they're not going to line up with us. And and shortly they left, and of course they took several people with them. And and that was a heartbreak to me because we've got to know. We've got to know the truth. Satan is going to be, he's going to be charismatic. He's going to be a leader. He's going to come in and he's going to lead some astray. And we have to be careful and not just not pay attention to the the charismatic leader and the, the excitement that is produced and the emotion and the experience. No, it comes down to the truth of the Word of God. What does it say? That's what we build our life on. That's what's important. That's what's important. It's not a dramatic, dynamic leader. It's just truth. It's just truth. Truth motivated out of genuineness, genuine love of heart, or love that's that's come from a, a pure heart, concern for people, a conscience that is is uh, is working well. That's not violated because he's he's proud, sincere, genuine faith. 
knowing of which you're speaking, knowing of what you're talking about. And Paul, he's doing that. Paul receives this letter from God and he he knows that he can trust Timothy and he entrusts Timothy with this truth, this letter. And he puts Timothy right in the place that he can instruct instruct these men. uh, Don't let them get off track. Here's the tendency, Paul, or Timothy. The tendency is draw attention to ourselves. The tendency is to follow myths. The tendency is speculation. All the while, being led about by Satan, not even aware of it. So Paul is just passing that baton from from himself, from the command that he has been given from God to Timothy, to the church. And that's what we're doing today, just passing that. That truth, that truth that must not be messed up and we've got to pass it on to the next generation. And I could stand up here and I can read a list. And I've got a list. I just uh, tried to come up with uh, just a few names that I know of and there's more that I probably don't know of. Paul Crouch, Robert Schuller, who's back in the day, or Roberts. I think one today is probably Joel Osteen. Very, very smooth, nice guy. John Hagee, ben Hen, uh, Benny Hinn, Keflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland. I can go on and on and on. Paul didn't, Paul didn't list all of them. He just said, here's what to look for. Here's what to look for. There's a few things. Can you discern? Can you discern? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father... There's a host of people that cannot be entrusted with the truth. They take the truth and they they twist it. Somehow mess it up. And Lord, they're they're out there. And not only them, but the Lord, the, the world. The world has a different standard by which they live. A different truth by which they live. And so Lord, we have to be discerning on every point. We have to know this Word more than ever. So, Lord, I pray for discernment for our people. Discernment for myself as I dig into this text. Lord, let me not be one of those false teachers who mess it up. Lord, I pray that there would be none here in our assembly. But I know that's the tendency, Lord. That's our tendency to be creative, to be interesting, to be attractive. Lord, help us just to tenaciously stick to the truth, the concrete truth of the Word of God and its standard. Help us to be discerning in a world that's just gone crazy. Lord, may we know Your Word. May we build our lives on it. We thank You for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.